Hello and welcome to the Pondering Primates podcast, the official podcast of the University of Edinburgh Atheist, Humanist and Secularist Society. My name is Daniel Sharp, I'm the president of that society and your usual host. The podcast is a veritable cornucopia. We have different guests on each episode to discuss a range of issues from religion and secularism to film, art and literature. If you want to contribute then do get in touch. Our social media and contact details can be found on the Anchor page, but we're easily found by searching our name on Facebook, and our Twitter handle is at UOEAthumSakeSock. So, with all that out of the way, are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hello and welcome to Pondering Primates. Uh, Daniel here, and today I'm talking to Ayushi Gupta a photography student at the University of Edinburgh with an interest in how photography and philosophy relate to each other. Hello and thank you for <laughs> for joining me today. Hi Daniel, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm very good. Um, so first off, we'll, uh, before we get into the, the difficult stuff, uh, tell us a bit about yourself, your background and your course, uh, your interests and so on and so forth. Uh, so I'm studying uh, photography at the University of Edinburgh, uh, um, at the Edinburgh College of Arts, and um, I I usually work in a very practice-based degree, uh, but I've always been very fascinated by uh, philosophy when I started out my degree and uh, went to a lot of, uh, audited lot, lots of courses, I went to a lot of you know philosophy classes and lectures as much as I could because mm. it really fascinated me. Um, and at some point I thought, okay, well, I want to use photography to illustrate philosophical theories, which, which was quite wacky when I tried to yeah. do it itself. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't really seem like it was happening, <laughs> uh, like the message was being crossed. Mm. It, was, it was happening in my head. Like I was trying to work with uh, the platonic allegory of the cave and trying to represent it in a photograph. But something else was happening in a photograph, yeah. uh, so it took a meaning of its own, and uh, I, w- I was trying to say that it's, it's the allegory of the cave, yeah. but, but my audience couldn't see that it's the allegory mm. of the cave, which I think it's a very dynamic, uh, interesting dynamic that photography holds mm. within itself. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, so my interests have, have, have been very much in not just exploring photography as a, as something that we make, but as something that kind of is shaped by other disciplines mm. and other histories and other cultures and what roles uh, it plays within these different mm. spheres, uh, including that of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, um, well, we'll get into the philosophy as well, but as a, as a kind of stepping stone to that, what, what do, what, tell us about photography, the kind of study of photography, the practice... Um, like what got you into photography? What appeals to you about the art form? That sort of thing. Um, so, so when I when I applied to study uh, photography, well, I didn't actually <laughs> apply to study fine arts, yeah. and then uh, then you know you have to pick up a medium mm. uh, to to work with, and I I decided to work with with photographs or or the medium of photography because I thought I think it was it was uh, I think it's the medium of the age. And I think it's this very kind of uh, enigmatic kind of medium that, in a way, connects more. It, it's what it's what brought 
um, it's what brought us the digital age. Mm. So it, it's like this bridge that brings us almost from like traditional art towards yeah. super high tectonic art that we have today, or mm. like like the digital digital mm-hmm. arts, media based arts as well. And I think that that what wouldn't have been possible um, without this potential use of uh, the camera as mm-hmm. as a lens based technology. So mm. I think I think I like the fact that it's this bridge between two really important movements in creating art uh, mm. today and in the past. So what what sort of how much has the like equipment changed? Obviously we you know don't have like the big massive cameras with smoke coming out of them anymore but <laughs> um what like now everyone you know everyone has like a phone and they can take pictures on their phone. Mm-hmm. So like what well, I suppose it's two things. Like, what is the equipment like nowadays in like professional photography, mm-hmm. and what kind of separates photography as an art from just I don't know random selfies and night out? Since this is it's kind of democratic now, everyone has access to it. But so that was the question of the century in nineteenth mm. century. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what separates photography as an art, mm. um, and I was just discussing this with someone the other day mm. that you know. Uh, a lot of people fought for photography to be in mm. art, really advocated for it. And it's, it's a, it is a contested question because, um, and, and I, I, I take complete responsibility for my opinions here, <laughs> uh, but it is a contested question because I, I think that it comes at a cost of really broadening the definition of art, mm. which is good for us because mm. we think of art as a very, very umbrella thing that's mm-hmm. you know all encompassing all sorts of diversities, but when it happened, it wasn't good because people mm. didn't want to turn away from these archaic modes of seeing high art, uh, seeing painting as sculpture mm-hmm. as high art. Uh, so so uh, and now today, <laughs> how do we uh, how do we mm. differentiate a, a photograph that's <laughs> art from a selfie? Um, well, I I also try to look into that, mm. and it's it's quite complicated again because, um, it, I, I mean, I, I guess a more useful example would be let's say amateur photographers on Instagram, mm. and how do we how do we give credit to professional photographers that are that are working in an, in an artistic concept, uh, context. Mm. Um, or in a commercial context. And it becomes difficult because photography really started out with, with amateurs. Mm. You know, it, it's vernacular because a lot of people can do it, explore it, and then you see, oh, that clicks somewhere, and mm. that can be a possible meaning. So it really, it stands a lot on this kind of amateurism. And so to deny, uh, deny any artistic value in amateur photography Mm. comes at the cost of denying what's at the foundation yeah, yeah, of photography. Yeah. So I don't really have an answer to that, mm. <laughs> but I have... It sounds like there's a lot of debate around there that. There is a lot of debate <laughs> around it. Um, and people constantly feel that today. So professional artistic photographers feel that, you know, we're trying to establish ourselves as an artistic mm. photographer, but there's this huge rise in cell phone photography which means we get no credit for mm. any aesthetic value in our works but then these people mm. we can't steal them the right for them to practice freely yeah. and you know engage in their hobbies and stuff so it is it is a contested mm. 
contested topic. Well, we'll get off that territory then, since we've got, <laughs> we've got a lot of uh, controversy there. Uh, <laughs> but I suppose that kind of goes into your interest in philosophy and photography. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to ask you to talk a bit about that, what areas of philosophy relate to photography and vice versa, and how do you portray philosophical ideas or concepts within the medium of photography. Mm-hmm. I don't know much about this uh, subject of photography and philosophy, so you're going you're, you're gonna to have to carry us here. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm going to try my best. Um, so I think um, um, from, 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 the, from the little that I have read, uh, um, I think that uh, the, the very most important thing that connects uh, photography with philosophy is this claim to to the truth mm. um, f- philosophy uh, seeks truth uh, in, in various ways uh, through various of its subdisciplines and photography uh, claims or at least when it started out very strongly claimed to represent truth as it is mm. now um, What's problematic with so uh, some someone that I uh, that I have read, um, who really plays a very important role. I think we all know him. Who really plays an important role in kind of outlining the phenomenology of photography, which is another. I don't know much about phenomenology, mm-hmm. but I do know that it's what binds photography and mm-hmm. philosophy together. Um, and so. Uh, Roland Barthes played a really huge role in um, putting forward a potential way of experiencing photography um, in a really, really uh, compelling book called Camera Lucida. Um, and and in, in that, what he says, uh, it, he says that a photograph is a message without a code. Hmm. No, it's taken me three years to understand what yeah. that means. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I understood it. <laughs> I only understood it two months ago. <laughs> two months ago, yeah, when I when I read someone else's yeah. in, uh, explanation of that, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, uh, but so okay, so what I think he's saying <laughs> mm-hmm. is uh, a photograph uh, says that it represents something, when at the same time it's not representing that thing, but is an interpretation of that thing. Mm. Because no matter how real to life it is, it is still someone's perspective. Mm. And so it is, it, it, it is framed. So yeah. you know, it's not really life as it is, but life as, or truth as given to me by someone behind the camera yeah. who stole a piece of reality, put it into a photograph, Mm. and ask me to question why is that piece of reality mm. stolen or piece of truth separated from the continuity of life. Yeah, uh, that's, in- well, that's interesting because that was one of the thoughts that I had was uh, about is it m- merely a depiction of what's there or is it an interpretation? I suppose mm-hmm. you can tie that back in with painting as well, you know, like painting landscapes or whatever. Does the artist just paint what's there or do they interpret what's there to create their own vision mm-hmm. <laughs> yes so it, it, it the the thing with 
photography is that it's it's both at the same time mm. and to an extent that it makes it paradoxical because I think what makes photography different to a painting well actually now we have hyperrealist paintings as well mm. but you can still really you know you can consciously or unconsciously acknowledge uh, the skill of a painter mm. you can do that but in a in a photograph the first instinct is not to connect to the skill of the photographer mm. unless in my experience and I think some technicians in the photography department agree that they do see the skill of the mm. photographer first because you know uh, when you get trained to look at it then you kind of develop yeah. an eye um, but so what you connect to is not the skill of the photographer you connect to wow that actually looks like something real in life mm. so so it's it's we see it as a depiction first and then look at it as an interpretation mm -hmm. whereas in the painting we know it's an interpretation or we see it as an interpretation mm. and then acknowledge that it depicts something mm. yeah okay yeah so it's like reversed it's almost reversed. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so how about how about that question of, of truth then? Um, how does that relate to all this? If if can a, a photograph or a painting, for that matter, depict truth, even um, if it's always going to be an interpretation by somebody. Yes. So I think. Um, I think really what 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 um yeah I wonder actually because I think I mean I, I it, it's quite difficult really to depict the truth because that that you know brings invites question as to really uh, or in, invites a deconstruction of the notion of the truth mm. <laughs> which uh, which will be another project before you start an, you know unpacking whether a painting or a photograph can uh, depict truth mm -hmm. I think it's healthier to look at it in the sense that can a painting or, or a photograph interpret truth, or, or in the case of a, of a photograph, can it represent truth? And, um, I mean, I can't say for painting, um, but in a, in, in a photograph, um, well, it can interpret truth, because in, interpreting something is, uh, interpretation is, is subjective. Mm. And so we, we can, you know, almost accept an interpretation. Mm -hmm. But representation of truth is more objective. Um, or, or, you know, something mm. that doesn't come with a connotation of subjectivity to it. We can give any other word to it. Um, so it's really like making a claim, like mm. giving an evidence. And uh, a lot of people uh, have written about this problematic nature of the photograph, you know, representing the real. Mm. Um, and uh, so someone that I read who wrote on this was was John Tagg um, and he says that you know every representation of the real or the truth through a photograph is very um, is is framed not just by the photographer but also within ideologies and also within a systematic framework that asks those photographers to go and take so-and-so pictures mm. Um, and, and I think that really, you know, again, creates this almost, uh, divide between inter interpretation of truth as subjectivity and exploring mm. photography as, you know, like mm. as an opinion 
And then really actually representing truth, having a claim at representing truth mm. uh, within, you know, let's say, a media framework, like with, through the newspapers mm. or, or the media industry, or like the press photograph. Mm. Well, it's quite interesting, because as you were talking about that, um, it brought George Orwell to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he like there was a he wrote a homage to Catalonia about mm-hmm. the, the Spanish Civil War and his experiences there, and in the nineteen seventies or eighties or something, a postmodernist kind of person took mm-hmm. this apart and deconstructed it, yeah, um, quite terribly in my opinion because it was just completely wrong, like uh, trying to. Uh, but one of the critiques is kind of that uh, this is a subjective experience; it's not an objective truth. Yeah. Which I think was incredibly unfair on Orwell because he didn't mm-hmm. try and present it. What he presented as the truth uh, were things that could be, the claims that could be verified, you know. Yes. Um, and, you know, his interpretations also were subject to mm-hmm. to verification. And it was clear of what he was merely describing and what mm-hmm. he was, you know, he was conscious that it wasn't like a scientific account. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that was unfair of, of the postmodernists to do that on that <laughs> yeah. account. I think it was completely flawed. But <coughs> it does raise that question of selectivity and describing things. Yes. And another thing which came to mind, um, I can't remember exactly, uh, it's at the back of my memory, but there's one of those famous photographs from uh, the sort of civil rights in America mm-hmm. period, where I think it's somebody... Uh, the dogs chasing a black boy or something. Oh, um, yeah. And, or something to do with water cannons and... Uh, are they in the same photograph? I don't know, I can't <laughs> remember. I, I, should, I, should, I, should I have, have a picture this. of them being in two different photographs. <laughs> 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 I could be wrong. <laughs> well, basically what the, the photograph was, it became like an emblematic photograph um, showing like police brutality and stuff and it turned out later yes. on that actually it wasn't depicting what, you know, the broader picture, actually, the policemen were trying to help the boy from the dogs or something like that, I can't yes. remember. Yeah, so... Um, so even though that specific instance wasn't true, it still represented a broader truth about police brutality because exactly, obviously yeah. that did happen, so... Yeah, so, the, uh, I mean, the f- photographs are really at a very... Uh, they're fragile because they're at a very great risk of being used irresponsibly and... Mm. In the past, they have been used responsibly. Uh, I cannot remember the exact example that I came across in, in the book that I ra- uh, read by John Tagg, um, but they have. Mm. Um, and, and it's really not just, you know, the photographer framing reality or, mm. you know, a piece of reality in the photograph. It's also a, a, a systematic framework mm. that... Fr- a system that frames yeah. that photograph within a larger context, mm-hmm. uh, which can be wrong or right, mm. and and it will still make a claim at at the truth because because of how real it looks. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a it's a very risky risky yeah. Yeah, <laughs> claim yeah. to to truth, even yeah. even if it does claim. Yeah. So. Well, there's a course that I'm not, I'm not doing, but I noticed it um, when I was. Uh, flicking through courses about photographs in history mm-hmm. for a history course um, so like using photographs as historic pieces of historical evidence and, and stuff mm-hmm. I think that would be quite interesting because I imagine it would talk about you know how you know photographs are taken and why they're taken 
yes. and what their what their purpose is, you know, because mm-hmm. you can't just assume that just because it's a photograph and it seems like okay, that's just a depiction of a physical space that it represents the truth mm-hmm. um, any more than like a subjective account written down does. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, I don't actually know much about like all historical uses of photographs uh, because I actually haven't read much about that. Um, something that I recently did read was was the use of uh, photographs, uh, introduction of photography to India um, mm. during colonialism. So. Mm. It, um, photography was introduced as a colonial project um, in so it was found by Daguerre in 1839 and literally about two years after roughly around 1840-41 it was introduced to India um, by by Sir John Herschel so the astronomer it's really it's really cool because mm. I'm actually writing about a photographer who who learned photography from this this guy? Mm. Um, <clears throat> so photography was intro- I, I know that photography was introduced uh, into India, it, and they used it because they wanted to kind of um, use it as a tool for social organization of uh, of the various diverse. Hate to say the word, but what they would call tribes mm. at that time that they came across. Um, and uh, it it did it didn't work out. <laughs> they mm. couldn't organize people <laughs> because they, it was so diverse, and they mm. were, there were so many people. And and I I actually I, I really like to call photography the colonial failure uh, mm. of in <laughs> India. Um, so that that's I know about I know about that uh, the historical views. Um, well, I suppose like that also kind of ties into you know Orientalism. Um, you know, I think the photographs um, in the British Empire from India uh, where, you know, things would be depicted in that sort of Orientalist fashion, you know, the East is luxury yes. and sexual and yes, a lot, know, yes, exotic was, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, they were pretty much staged, a lot of those photographs. It was staged, uh, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I wonder, though, I mean, yeah, it, it was staged. Uh, it's like they were using an almost... Um, a, a Western, uh, how do I say this? A Western art historical. I don't know if I can call it art historical, but like a Western visual, visuality, mm. like a way of seeing really that they had that you know mm. that they had seen through. Then history of art, so you know the paintings mm. and stuff. Uh, and they were the way that women were represented in 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 those. Uh, paintings in the West, um, they were trying to pose women uh, from from South Asia in in or even actually maybe uh, well, I well I don't actually know much about uh, Black history, um, but at least in South Asia because I saw some examples and they were trying to pose them in a similar way, mm. uh, and so it became Oriental because. I'm not sure actually, but maybe it became Oriental because you know it it was out of their own context. Yeah. No, I think yeah, I think yeah, that's quite interesting trying to um, fit things into a framework that had previously existed. And and they weren't shown in 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 mm. these colonies. They were shown outside of yeah. these colonies. Yeah. Um, Which is Jim- interesting because I, I think maybe most of the people who would see these pictures probably would never no. end up anywhere near 
the places they were taken. So it was for an audience. There was yeah. a there was a consumer, a target audience. Exactly. As you're calling nowadays, but and they were they were uh, they were claiming to be the truth of mm. an entire population. Yeah, yeah. Or like an entire part of a popu- mm. pop- like a part of an entire population at least. Um, again, you know, fit into the wrong kind of framework or used in a in an irresponsible way. Mm. Um, which you know again like problematic with photography and and and, and truth mm-hmm. um but uh I, I think what's really really interesting about uh about photography also is um uh the way it kind of you know really um i don't actually know if this if people look feel this when they look at the photograph or a photograph because uh, <laughs> sometimes the thing with you know theory is it just feels like you're seeing pink elephants in the air. Yeah. And, you know you don't really know if you, you know you don't really know if you kind of you know see it yeah. in the work. Um, uh, so uh, uh, so a lot of people have uh, yeah, written uh, on on this like you know bots and uh, uh, like people who try who discuss. Uh, the experience of, of seeing a photograph and they really split these two dimensions of space mm. and time mm. when looking when experiencing a photograph um, which I find really really interesting um, <clears throat> yes because yeah uh, which I, I, I don't really see <laughs> like I, when I look at a photograph I don't really <laughs> see time split like mm. that uh, but that's also a really interesting uh, uh, perspective that I've come across. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, if you look maybe back at, obviously, old black and white photographs of, say, London slums from the 19th century, then mm-hmm. I don't know if this is kind of what that's meant to mean, but you get a sense of time in the sense of it evokes certain feelings or emotions yes, that you does, associate yeah. with that period of time so mm-hmm. it kind of takes you out of I don't know of your present yeah, time yeah, yeah yeah it does yeah yeah so that that's what that's what it, it's like um it's like you're seeing mm, so you see a photograph and then you are in your present time uh but you're also in the past time of the photograph mm. and then maybe that photograph reminds you of something a memory yeah. so you're in the past time of your of your own like you're mm. in your own past time mm. so that's already three temporal dimensions mm. and i can't remember who i read who added a fourth dimension mm. <laughs> which was uh what if you look at the photograph and if it reminds you of something in the future ah mm. you know so a lot of people mm. say that when uh uh when you look at a portrait, uh, th- so this is what Bart says. So you, if if I look at a portrait, and uh, I can see that the person in the portrait is dead, mm. and the photograph, the camera literally kills the, the person it, mm. uh, to be in the photograph because he stops being what he is in mm. that particular time. Mm. So, y- are you with me on that? I think okay. yeah. <laughs> um, and and by looking at the death of the person in the photograph then i'm reminded of my future death so mm. that's the that's the future mm. four four kind of yeah. temporal dimensions mm-hmm. yeah yeah i can see which that I'm, yeah 
which is quite expanding for yeah. the mind. Yeah. And yeah. when you look at a photograph, really, none of that really happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how a lot of that theory kind of fits with... It would be, yeah. A lot of know. it has been talked about in terms of in self-portraiture. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, so it's like, if I see a photograph of myself from, from the past, then I'm... I have, you know, I, I'm experiencing again myself mm -hmm. in the present and myself in the past, mm -hmm. and it reminds me of something that's a different past, and then also mm -hmm. it reminds me of a future that I mm -hmm. am nostalgic about, mm -hmm. someone that I will not be in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of it has been put in in reference to mm -hmm. self-portraiture, which I think is really, really uh, climactic. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, got, I've got two friends who <coughs> do cognitive science. Um, and actually I had a really uh, interesting chat with Ian last night about AI and stuff and uh, and yeah but yeah it'd be interesting to know kind of what goes on like in the brain from like that level of photography you know you what mean happens. like when when, a when you look at a photograph ah, you know, really? what, what brain yeah, what like what happens in the brain like what kind of uh, neural activity yeah. happens yeah or, or or a kind of higher level than that the psychology of it to study the psychology of it yeah, I wonder. I actually have no idea mm. about that. Mm. That'd be <laughs> um, quite interesting, yeah. It would be really interesting to see how people r respond to images um, mm. in general. Although I think there have been some experiments that mm. have been done in the past where, I think, in, in psychology, where people were exposed to images mm. and they kind of had these strong emotional responses. Mm. Um, I'm not really sure. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a, that's a topic that you can... Uh, pursue. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I want a, uh, an acknowledgement uh, for. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I will do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Daniel planted the seed. Uh, the idea in my head. <laughs> uh, so I think yeah, we've talked quite a lot about some sort of more critical aspects, I suppose, mm -hmm. uh, which might make people think, oh, well, what's the point of it all then if it's not really true and it's all just, oh, what's the point in photography? I wish I had the answer. No. <laughs> well, what's good about photography? Like, what appeals, like, just on your own personal feelings? Um, um, why do you do it? Um, well, uh, well, actually, I'm... Yes, well, I am quite fascinated about... Uh, yeah, reading about photography. Um, I wouldn't say as much about practicing it because I think, yeah, I mean, I, I have told my tutors so uh, quite, you know, mm. very uh, often that uh, I think I, I like talking about pictures more than I like making them <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I just think too much before making it and uh, it's, it's not how you can uh, approach making. Mm. Um, I guess what really, really fascinates what really you know it really fascinates me and it really does expand my my brain um, is uh, to try to imagine how uh, like these dimensions of space and time can be uh, divided and layered mm. almost that four to five of them are working at yeah. the same time as they mm. say when one is looking at a photograph, but it's not really happening. Mm. Um, I guess what, what really fascinates me as well is, is the experience, yes, uh, the experience of looking at a photograph. And I think um, if I was to continue my practice as a photographer, uh, what I would uh, be striving for is 
really how to remove um, how to bring the experience of the of a photograph outside of the photograph. So it's mm. not really just a two dimensional object that mm. we're looking at, but it's something that is the point uh, or or you know the the stimuli which which in a way can activate all of our senses and so we really experience the photograph mm. um, and I've tried to do this uh, with some of my exhibitions where I kind of introduce like a sound bath that can go hand in hand with the photographs that are being viewed but I've ha I have no idea how to like uh, mm. you know take it beyond audiovisual mm. um, but I think that something like virtual reality mm. has a lot of potential in, mm. uh, in, uh, in a way, activating the experience mm. of uh, looking at a photograph yeah. because it's more immersive. Mm -hmm. But uh, mm. I uh, yeah, I find I find those gears really weird. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> is that is that what um, is that what is the pleasure in looking at? A Good photograph. Then is it that same? Is it that? Is it being immersed or just seeing something um, sort of portrayed in some sort of beautiful way, whatever beautiful might mean? Because that's a whole other philosophical <laughs> debate. <laughs> um, well, it really depends uh, on on what kind of photographs you like, um, or you know what you're really looking for. Uh, it's like what you what you're really looking for when you when you look at art, and uh, you know what what are, what what do you want it to offer to you mm. um and I, I i guess i'm not really the kind of uh photographer person who you know goes in so much for like the skill mm. um of the photograph although sometimes if i see a photograph of like just an apple it can it kind of just gets to me it's like mm. come on what's happening like, <laughs> uh but uh uh I guess I do, I, I, I probably give value more to what the photograph is trying to say mm. um, and if it does it in a really, really good way. Mm. Like there's a, um, there's a really famous photograph um, uh, and I should be really ashamed of this because I forget <laughs> whether <laughs> it's Robert Frank or Robert Kappa, <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's from, a from a book called The Americans. And uh, um, my my tutor Colin Colin Cavers uh, gave uh, an incredible talk uh, where he completely deconstructed what was going on in the photograph. And for me, that was like, that is mm. mind blowing. Mm. I don't know if he really intended it, but if the photographer mm. really intended it, that's yeah. that's genius. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna it, I'm gonna try to describe what the photograph is. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a photograph of a a a bus when window it's a like a photograph of a bus um and you know there are windows and there are there are people sitting um and uh so in the first uh seat is you only see people from the windows in the first seat you see a uh a a, a white man um I hate using white black kind of terms but yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to stick to them um and then you see a you see a, 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 a white woman, uh, white woman, and then you see a, 
a young boy from probably from that family or like a white white young boy a white young girl then you see a, a a black man and then you see a black woman and what it really shows is social hierarchy at the time of emancipation mm. um uh I, I get confused with the meaning of that word but you know uh, the after slavery yeah, yeah yeah so that that time and it's great because it does actually show show social hierarchy um mm. because you know you know the women have been secondary and then the race that has been discriminated against has also been at the back of the bus mm. and it's it's stunning how a photograph mm. can just capture mm. that and if he came across that and he took it i think it's mm. it's genius yeah because you know it's like it doesn't click immediately but when it does click it's not an image that will leave you mm and i think that for me is a very compelling yeah. kind of photograph and yeah yeah if i if i go to photo photo mm. exhibitions that that's what i look mm. for that's really interesting yeah yeah well, i suppose it's kind of the same with all art in a sense mm -hmm. you know, it's what you get out of it and if it conveys something to you that feels truthful or beautiful or compelling in some way yeah um, i think yeah i think a lot of uh Good, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to talk about what a lot of good art is because I think that's <laughs> very opinionated. Um, but for me personally, yeah, I I really like works where you know, uh, I mean, you don't understand what's going on, and you can get almost mad at at those works mm. because you feel like nothing's happening, yeah. and then you start hating contemporary art for that reason. Because, <laughs> but <laughs> but a lot of books like that as well, actually, doing English literature. But <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you know, sometimes the artist really is actually doing something and mm. it's hidden and when mm. that clicks it's it's great because mm. it's you you feel like as a viewer you feel like i don't know if anyone else got it but i got it mm. and that's that's amazing yeah. it's like a secret that you share with the yeah. work and the artist well, it's kind of like a north and jerabi you know it seems like for the first half of it it's really boring and you're like <laughs> what's what's the point of this uh, but then, like, kind of by the end of the book, you kind of you're like you realize, you know, actually, this is this is really good. Yes, <laughs> you exactly. You know, there's there's, yeah. there's a genius to it. Yes. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I think we're over nearly forty minutes. Uh, so, I think um, have, have you anything else that you want to desperately get off your chest about photography? <laughs> Any other? Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, no. No. But no. I think, yeah, we're, we're, provided some food for thought I think it's been really interesting yeah thanks um, for having me so much that was really really interesting that yeah. was great yeah thanks for coming <laughs> uh, it's a topic I've never thought about very much but now I've found it very very interesting so, oh well I'm glad yeah. <laughs> so thank you and uh, goodbye great thanks Daniel goodbye